We now head to Zhanghua to meet one of Taiwan's premier toy collectors. Cai Jiahang has a collection of figurines worth an estimated 10 million Taiwan dollars. It includes famous characters from Hollywood and anime productions like Naruto and Transformers. Now the collection is on show in a new figurine restaurant. We spoke to Tai and his wife, Li Yanling, about how collecting affects family life. Tsai has quite a reputation among toy collectors. His collection includes Transformers, One Piece, Dragon Ball, and Naruto. The more than 1,000 items are valued at more than 10 million NT. The most valuable, a figure of Optimus Prime from Transformers, is worth 110,000 NT. The second most valuable is the Transformers villain Shockwave, worth 90,000 NT. He had a valuable Godzilla which he later sold for a tidy profit. It was a limited edition Godzilla which I bought for 19,800 NT and then sold for about 60,000 NT. But with so many figurines, there's no space left in the house. Tsai and his wife have opened a figurine restaurant. Some ask if his wife minds all the time and energy he invests in his hobby. Tsai admits it can be a source of friction. Sometimes my wife does accidentally knock the figurines when moving them. When that happens, I do get angry. I care about such things. We don't argue actually, I just get a little huffy. His hobby is enjoying the figurines, but he takes care of the home as well, so it doesn't get out of balance. It's just, sometimes I do get cross that he spends so much time on it. Visitors to the figurine restaurant can admire the toys while dining and meet up with other aficionados to share their passion. Lin Lu Feng takes a bottle of milk from the fridge and asks the customer how many cups they want. He carefully makes up the drinks to the recipe and hands them over. Standing behind the bar in his yellow vest, he manages everything as if this was his own business. I worked in a night market before. Because of the pandemic, I stopped for a while. The economy wasn't doing well. I wanted to earn some money and help my family financially. Lin, who is in his second year of high school, grew up in a single-parent family. Now his dad is over 60 and the two are as close as ever. But his dad's health is poor and he can't work. So Lin spends all his time outside class working. The pandemic has shrunk job opportunities, so Lin was glad to get a hand from the self-reliance program. Working in a night market is very tough work actually, and it's not easy. I found it hard to get used to it at first. The Futi Family Association is helping me. When I don't know how to do it, they will tell me what to do. Another student on the program is Shi Bingyan. He's here cracking eggs into molds. He was brought up by his grandparents and things are difficult at home, but he finds lots of ways to learn new skills. With help from the Elan County government, the Fuchi Family Association created the self-reliance program to find jobs for disadvantaged young people in Luodong Night Market over the summer. This year, 10 students are taking part. All the funds for this program are provided by Fuchi Family Association. We provide the funds for the part-time jobs, so in these trying times, the businesses can also do their bit for charity. This is the third year of the program. Students can make some extra money and learn workplace skills, and businesses with no funds to employ extra workers are happy to have more hands on deck.
Though COVID is easing in Taiwan, the number of people who have come down with a cold is going up. Doctors say they are seeing a 20% year-on-year increase in people with colds. Some say the uptick is caused by the gradual easing of strict COVID prevention measures, which have resulted in a lack of exposure to regular bacteria and viruses over the past two years. Enterovirus infections are also on the rise. Doctors say that alcohol is ineffective against the virus. Parents and children sit in the waiting room at the clinic. With COVID prevention measures slowly easing, the number of people catching colds is going up. Doctors say they are seeing 20% more patients now compared to the same time last year. Over the past two years, everyone has been following strict public health protocols. People haven't been able to move about as much, but now streets, restaurants and playgrounds are packed with people. When there is contact with others, the number of infections grows. Another pediatrician, Xu Jiaxian, said on social media that people are now paying back their immunity debt, caused by a lack of exposure to regular bacteria and viruses while COVID rules were in effect. With preschools back in session and the end of the summer break approaching, many are finally getting exposed to regular microbes, resulting in an uptick in colds. Another doctor says enterovirus infections are also on the rise. Enterovirus infections can sometimes cause ulcers in the oral cavity and rashes in the hands and feet. Sometimes patients even develop boils. It's what we refer to as a hand, foot and mouth disease. It's something distinctive about these kinds of intestinal viruses. Enterovirus infections can cause symptoms similar to those of COVID, such as fevers, throat pain and nausea. Doctors warn that though the COVID virus can be eliminated with alcohol, that's not the case for enterovirus, which can only be cleaned off with thorough hand washing. To tackle enterovirus and norovirus in the environment, you must use bleach. Alcohol doesn't work on these viruses. There are many infections in summer, and many norovirus infections are caused by this. Though COVID is easing, doctors remind parents to still practice basic disease prevention measures, such as getting their children vaccinated. Changing one's clothes and washing one's hands after coming back home is another good way to prevent infection. U.S. President Joe Biden on Tuesday signed the CHIPS and Science Act into law. The act includes a budget of 52 billion U.S. dollars to boost the U.S.'s semiconductor sector and aims to reduce the U.S.'s dependence on imported chips from places including Taiwan and advance its own semiconductor industry. The act, as well as the U.S.'s proposed Chip 4 alliance with Taiwan, Japan and South Korea, are seen by some as a threat to TSMC's leading position in the sector. But others are not convinced that TSMC is in danger of losing its lead anytime soon. Let's hear from two experts. The CHIPS Act has a budget of 52 billion U.S. dollars, and the CHIP4 alliance hopes to shake up TSMC's hegemony in the sector. But in terms of technology, even in the next few years, the U.S. semiconductor sector still might not be able to catch up with the likes of TSMC or Samsung. The goal is to determine where some of that incremental capacity gets built. 
We obviously want to get it started here in the U.S. because we are getting increasingly dependent on places like Taiwan. TSMC has plans to build a 12 billion U.S. dollar advanced semiconductor plant in the U.S. in the coming years. According to Daiwa Securities Group, the CHIPS Act could offer up to 5.4 billion U.S. dollars in subsidies to TSMC. The chipmaker says it is currently assessing the act's impact on its operations. Being a father can be a daunting task. To help answer questions that expectant fathers may have, the Health Promotion Administration has launched the Parental Medical Instruction Booklet on Pregnancy and Parenting. It includes things that you need to know about pregnancy, what to do during maternity checkups, and when to come to the hospital when your partner is close to giving birth. It answers questions about how fathers can help at that time. It also explores the issue of how to balance family and work. In addition to the book, we are also providing other parenting resources and a checklist. The booklet is divided into nine topics, including how to prepare for your partner's birth, how to take care of your partner after they give birth, how to balance work and family, and how to take care of a newborn. It explores how to cope with parenting, methods to ease a partner's discomfort during pregnancy, and more. Although it is easy for everyone to search for relevant information in the online world, it is important to be able to obtain correct knowledge. This manual was not easy to produce. It took us 10 months, from interviews, expert meetings, to finally putting it together. The electronic booklet can be downloaded on the HBA website. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Shi Bohan in Taipei. Taiwan's average monthly salary stood at 44,262 NT for the first half of the year, according to the latest government data. That's 3.02 percent higher than the same period in 2021, marking the biggest increase in 22 years. But it's not as rosy as it seems. With the price level up by more than 3 percent, the real salary average actually experienced negative growth for the first time in six years. Let's hear from an expert. The real average monthly salary growth from January to June was negative 0.11 percent, compared with the same period last year. That's because the average monthly salary grew by 3.02 percent, but the price level grew even more, by 3.13 percent. Subtract one from the other and you get the real average monthly salary growth, which is negative 0.11 percent from the same period last year. Since 2001, Taiwan has seen negative growth in the real salary on nine occasions. The biggest drop was in 2009 with negative 2.86 percent. This most recent figure of negative 0.11 percent is the second smallest drop since 2001, after negative growth of 0.07 percent in 2003. Amid China's continuing military exercises, KMT Vice Chair Andrew Xia is leading a delegation to China for a week-long visit. Though Xia says his party has no plans to meet with officials, reports say they may meet with heads of Chinese government bodies. Members of the DPP have voiced opposition to the trip, calling it a betrayal. Even some within the KMT are petitioning to have the trip put on hold. 
Leading a delegation of five, KMT Vice Chairperson Andrew Xia arrives in Xiamen in China's Fujian province on August 10th. The group will kick off their week-long trip on August 21st after being released from quarantine. First, they will meet with representatives from Xiamen's Taiwanese Business Association. The following day, they will meet with Taiwanese business owners in the southern cities of Guangzhou and Dongguan in Guangdong province. From August 23rd to August 25th, the delegation will head northeast to the Zhejiang and Jiangsu provinces and Shanghai before returning to Taiwan on August 27th. Reports say the group may meet with Chinese officials, including Taiwan Affairs Office Director Liu Jieyi and President of the Association for Relations Across the Taiwan Straits, Zhang Zhijun. We have not made any plans with officials, and we have certainly not made any plans to visit Beijing. I guess as guests, we will do as a host thinks fit. Perhaps the locals may like to meet with us to exchange pleasantries, and we're not against that. Xia said his party had started planning the trip back in June. On August 4th, just as China began its live-fire military exercises, the group had filed the trip's itinerary to Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council. On the day before their departure, the Mainland Affairs Council has suggested postponing the visit as there were still 16 Chinese warplanes near Taiwan, but the group went ahead with the trip as planned. The Mainland Affairs Council said it's not the right time, but I guess for them there is never a right time. There won't be forced unification after just one visit. I think people should have more confidence. Just as the international society is condemning China and voicing support for Taiwan, the KMT is visiting China and shaking hands with people in China. This is a fundamental betrayal of Taiwan's national interests. Regardless of China's military threat, the KMT insisted on going forward with the visit. Even some KMT members are against the trip. Several younger members of the party have started a petition calling for its suspension. We must assess the timing carefully. This isn't a very suitable time. The KMT is visiting because we've received grievances from Taiwanese business owners saying their goods could not be dispatched and were seized and destroyed at customs. The party's Taipei mayoral candidate backed a visit as China continues its military aggression against Taiwan, leading some to further question the KMT's allegiances. On Wednesday afternoon, Taiwan's military published a video compilation of the PLA's recent activity near Taiwan. In some of the footage, Chinese vessels can be seen just a short distance away from Taiwan's military planes and ships. Meanwhile, a war simulation held by a Washington-based think tank showed that under most scenarios, China would be unable to take over Taiwan by force. The simulation posited a hypothetical Chinese attack in 2026, with the U.S. deciding to defend Taiwan. On Wednesday afternoon, the military released a video compilation of the latest observations on the front line. One clip shows a vessel numbered 525. This is the Chinese frigate Man'an Shan, with a displacement of 3,900 tons. Judging from the camera angle, 
The frigate seems to be only 100 yards or around 91.4 meters away from the military personnel who shot the video footage. This is the closest the armed forces of both sides of the strait have come in the last few decades. Another clip was captured by Taiwan's Albatross unmanned aircraft, showing the Man'an Shan crossing paths with Taiwan's Anyang destroyer. Experts say the distance between the two vessels appears to be less than one kilometer. Over in the US, the Center for Strategic and International Studies conducted a war simulation of a Chinese attack on Taiwan in the year 2026. In this scenario, the US decided to help Taiwan against a Chinese attack. The Chinese side first fired against US bases in Japan and Guam and sunk two US carriers in the first three weeks. In the next phase, Chinese troops landed on Taiwan but were able to take just southern Taiwan, or about one-third of the island, before the amphibious operation was halted by the US. The results showed that under most scenarios, Taiwan can repel an invasion with US support. China's Taiwan Affairs Office on Wednesday released a white paper on Taiwan titled The Taiwan Question and China's Reunification in the New Era. The paper says that the best way to resolve the Taiwan issue is via a peaceful unification of the two sides of the trade straight under a one country, two systems framework. But it also stresses that China will not renounce the use of force to achieve its goals. It is the first white paper that China has published about Taiwan in 22 years, but analysts say it is no different from previous versions. On Wednesday, Taiwan's Mainland Affairs Council released a statement in response, saying that the white paper was full of lies. It said that Beijing was using political manipulation tactics that only further highlighted China's arrogant justifications for using force and destroying peace in the Taiwan Strait. The council stated that the facts are that neither side of the strait is subordinate to the other and that Taiwan firmly rejects the one country, two systems framework proposed by China.